Today's teaching, if you take out your notes, the title is called The Balance of Faith and Grace. I just want to pray over it before we get started. So, Father, right now, I just come before you, and I offer myself to be your voice and to convey your truth. I pray, Father, that all of us have openness so that we are ready to receive what you have for us today, for each one of us. I thank you, God. I thank you for the word that will go forth and has the potential to save, to heal, to deliver, to make whole. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I just feel like I have to stop right now. Is there anybody that has, and, and if you don't feel comfortable, I understand, but I just sense the right, I'm sorry, the left breast, the left breast. Does anybody have anything going on there? I want to pray for it. I just, when I was praying, God said, stop and pray. Anybody else? So, Father God, we speak right now. We speak right now over the, over the breast tissue. And we thank you, God, that just as you did in me, when you made whatever was suspicious, when you made it well, when you made it whole, I speak right now over this tissue. I thank you, God, that right now as believers come together and agree, and as I lay hands, that whatever is the cause of the concern is completely restored to normal, completely made whole. I thank you, God. I look to you. I keep my eyes on you, God. I keep my eyes on you. You are the healer. You are the source. And I know that when we pray, when we speak your word, that there is power. When we lay hands, there is power that is released. So I just thank you, God, what you're releasing right now to restore and to make whole. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I have been meditating on something Um, over the last few weeks, and I don't know if I can remember it exactly. I'm going to do my best because I want to share this with you. And the basic premise is that when we're concerned or when we have a question or when we're praying and, and we're looking at this bigness of the problem, we don't need to do that because God's the big one. We don't need to do the work. God already did the work. Kathy, maybe you can help me remember. This is from the Chris Gore book, and it's about, um, oh, it's just escaping my memory right now. When, when, I, when I think about ministering healing, it's not about, no, that's not it. I mean, that's a good one, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. I will write it down and bring it next week because it's just a yummy treasure. But basically, it just takes me out of the driver's seat and puts God in the driver's seat. This is a really, really good declaration. I'll bring it for you next week. That's it. That's it. That's it. Thank you. Go ahead. Yes, yes. So my job... My job in healing is to know that God does his job really well. That's it. My job in healing is to simply know that God does his job really well. It's not me. It's him. And that just puts things in a whole different perspective. Okay. Thank you for reminding me of that. So today we're going to talk about the balance of faith and grace. And what I want to start with is reviewing grace. Now, to review grace in one scripture is like a joke. (laughs) But I just want to give you a little snapshot again of the truth of God's word. Will you turn with me to Romans chapter 5, please? Romans 5. I'm going to read two verses. First, verse 15, and then verse 20. But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. For if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely did God's grace 
and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. So Tom's teaching from two weeks, this is it in a nutshell. The fall of man caused the enemy to enter and the dominion of sin to take over and oppression and all of that stuff. But, but, much more profusely, I like that part, much more profusely did God's grace and that free gift, that undeserved favor, come. It abounds and overflows to us. As believers. And that word abound means to be present in great quantity. I like it. We talked about his extravagant grace last week. We have a great exchange. As believers, we have an exchange. The old is gone. The old covenant is over. We are now in the covenant of grace. And the grace abounds. We talked last week about, about the image of a Christmas tree packed with gifts. But the difference between my tree and this tree of grace is that every package is priceless. There's not dollar store gifts. Every gift is worth more than we can even begin to imagine because God's grace is so extravagant. And it abounds. It abounds. It's present in great quantity. And then I want to read verse 20 as well. But then the law came in only to expand and increase the trespass, making it more apparent and an exciting opposition. But where sin increased and abounded, grace, God's unmerited favor, has surpassed it and increased the more and superabounded. So in both of these scriptures, verse 15 and verse 20, there is a delineation between the old and the new. The old, the fall of man, the, and then the law that came in and showed sin, put a light on sin, made us into this place of being conscious of sin because we were always breaking the law. And so sin abounded. Sin got big in our hearts and our minds and our lives. But... Because of what Jesus accomplished in the new covenant, and look at these words again, God's grace has surpassed it and increased the more and superabounded. Once again, it's, it's just like multiplied. It exploded. The grace of God is so immense. Now, last week, I want to review one more thing. Last week, I talked about four, that we talked about the manifold, the varied aspects of God's grace. And I talked about four points. I'm just going to review these real quickly. The first one is that God's grace is unearned, undeserved, and unmerited. It's unearned. If we give money to charity, if we do mission trips, these are all good things. If we read the Bible an hour a day, if we pray all the time, we can't earn the grace. No matter what. Now, all of those things are great. And they do them. They, they draw you closer to God. But they don't earn grace. Grace is undeserved. Jesus took what we really deserved. We deserved judgment because of the sin that was separating us from God. But Jesus took what we deserved and gave us what we don't deserve, which is grace. He paid the price that we owed. And because of that, we have this extravagant grace that I've been sharing about over the last couple of weeks. It's also unmerited. That means that your own goodness can earn grace. Now, there are a lot of good people in the world. I considered myself a good person before I was diagnosed with cancer. And when Jenny asked me if I was saved, I said, I think so. And then I started listing the things I did. I go to church. You know, I raised my kids up in the church. I've even taught in a in a parochial school. Yeah, I think I think I'm good. And I'm a good person. You know, I had never had an affair. I had been faithful to my marriage. I only did little sins. Nothing big. (laughs) 
So I considered myself a good person. But that didn't, that didn't, that didn't give me the grace of God. Grace isn't merited by your goodness. Grace was given to us. It's a free gift. The second big idea is that grace is something that God did for you independent of you. He provided grace for us before we even needed it. Because of his love for us, for humanity. And individually, not just humanity, he loved me individually so much that Jesus died. He sent Jesus, even if it was just me, the only person on the world, or even if it was just you, he loved us enough to do everything that we could have this life that he wants us to have filled with his grace. The third big point is that grace is consistent. That means it's the same for everybody. He doesn't play favorites. He wants, God's best is for all to be saved, for all to be healed, for all to be, uh, have all their needs met, for all to be whole, for all to live in divine health, for all to have all their provisions met. That's his best. And it's his desire. He's consistent. Now here's the bottom line. That grace has been provided, past tense. Jesus paid the price. But it is only ours if we receive it. And we receive it by believing in Jesus. On February 20th, 19th, can't believe I got the date wrong. On February 19th, 2002, I received the gift. That's when I received Jesus and gave him my life and received him as my Lord and my Savior. I believed and I declared my belief. That's what the Bible says many times over, that our part is to believe. And that's when we receive grace. It's available for all. It's the potential for everybody. But it's only ours when we believe and receive it. The fourth big point, and this one I believe is on your handout, and this is, the, uh, this is what I taught last week. Grace includes everything Jesus did for us in his redemptive gift. We are forgiven, made righteous, rescued, delivered and set free, protected, healed, preserved, prospered, made whole, and empowered through this extravagant grace. And I'm sure that list isn't finished. There's even more. But those are the big pieces that I, showed with, I shared with you and gave you scripture, lots of scripture, to back it up last week. That's our benefit package. That's our benefit package. That's good news. Mm, thank you, Lord. So the big question, million-dollar question, how do I access that grace? How do I access the many-sided, beautiful, extravagant gift of grace that God has for us? How do I get that Christmas tree full of everything God has for me? Romans 5, verse 2. Let's turn there in our Bibles. We're already there. Through him, and this is referring to Jesus, through him also we have our access, entrance, introduction, by faith into this grace, the state of God's favor, in which we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. That's a lot of words, but the bottom line is we access God's grace through faith. We access this grace through faith. And that grace, that word grace, we access the many precious aspects of grace through faith. So when we believe that God is the God of healing, we receive healing. When we believe that he's the God of provision, we receive provision. When we believe that he's the God of wholeness, we receive wholeness. When we believe that he's the God who rescues us from hell, we're rescued from hell. When we believe that he's the God who forgives we're forgiven. Every part of that manifold gift of grace we receive 
through faith, through believing. The thing is, if we don't know our benefits, we don't know to believe for our benefits. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't know healing was a benefit. I stand here today healed. I learned it was my benefit. And that's why my, it's my passion to tell you about it. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, another scripture that talks about how we access this grace. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We access grace through faith. By grace you've been saved, so-soed. That beautiful word, saved, healed, delivered, made whole. By grace you've been saved through faith. That through faith is our part. God did his part, that's grace. By grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourself, not of your own merit, not of your own works. In fact, the next sentence says, not by works. Not by works, but by grace. So that's the access point. So I want to define faith now. If you've come to these, these sessions, you've heard a lot about faith. Um, faith is a big deal. It's our part. But what we're going to share today is that it's simple. God doesn't make it hard. We make it hard, but he doesn't. And that's why I want to teach this concept about the balance. I do want to say right here that in the Bible study, God says yes, we say amen. He heals today, the 10-week foundational Bible study. There are three sessions on faith. There's a lot of good teaching there, and we will be redoing the study again in the fall. But... You can, you know, get the book, get the DVDs, whatever, if you, if you want to take that right now and get more teaching on faith. It is available. And we can also talk to you about faith. But I'm just going to give you a, a short, very short version today, and that is a Hebrews 11:1 one definition. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's walk through the scripture. Now, faith is, present tense, now, not past tense, not future tense. Faith is a now, a present tense action. Faith, the word faith, means that we are fully persuaded of something true. Faith means you're fully persuaded of something true. Now, in this world that we live in, we can be fully persuaded of and have faith in our doctor. We can be fully persuaded and have faith in the treatment plan. We can be fully persuaded and have faith in um, alternative meds. We can be fully persuaded and have faith in ourselves. But that's not what God's Word says. That's not what this is referring to. The power of faith, and we're going to go more into this in a sec, but the power of faith is believing in God. We can't believe in Him unless we know Him. We can't believe in and trust in a God that we don't know. One of the first directions Jenny gave me when she started to tell me about healing was, she said, Cindy, spend time with God every day. Read the Bible and pray. One sentence that changed my life. When I started spending time with God every day, when I started reading the Bible, I didn't even know anything. Literally, my Bible was on the shelf. It was one of the great big ones that you get when you get married with a really pretty cover. That was my Bible. I had never read the Bible. When I started reading the Bible and talking to God on a consistent basis, something happened. I did. Jerry's shaking his head, yes. I've seen so many people come in just like me, not knowing, not knowing the real God. We knew of him, but we didn't know him personally. But faith comes when you know him. 
Faith comes, and Tom's going to teach on this in a couple weeks, when you start to renew your mind. You become metamorphosized, like a butterfly, changing from a caterpillar into a butterfly. He's going to teach on that, so I'll let him do that. But faith is being fully persuaded of truth, and this is the truth that we're talking about. Faith is being fully persuaded of truth. And this thing called faith, full persuasion of truth, is the substance. The word substance means the foundation, the base layer. It's the foundation for things hoped for. That word hope is not the word hope that we talk about all the time in our in our slang language. When we say, I hope this happens, it's more of a wish. But that's not God's definition of hope. This definition of hope means confident and joyous expectation. Okay. Faith, being fully persuaded of truth, is the substance of this expectation and joy that rises up in your spirit, man, is pretty awesome. When you come in, when I came in to this teaching and started to learn truth and develop a relationship with God, fear fell off of me. And peace took its place. And all of a sudden, and Kent can attest to this, it's almost like, why didn't somebody tell me this? I could have been enjoying this amazing relationship with God all these years. Why didn't somebody tell me? Because it was a whole new fullness of life that we'd never experienced before. Because this is what happened to us. This confidence, this joyous expectation rose up in us. It didn't make sense. I had a death sentence. And yet I had this peace and this, this, this fullness and this joy, this thing that rose up in me, and that's what it was. God's kind of hope. And then the second half of the scripture says, the evidence of things not seen. And that refers again to faith. So faith is the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence means proof, confirmation, and the word in the amplified, it even says title deed. So faith, faith, is the proof or the confirmation or the title deed of things not seen. And things not seen refers to things that are not yet revealed to the senses. So in my case, I had a cancer diagnosis. And the things that I hadn't seen yet was a good report. The things that I hadn't seen yet when my faith was in this expectation, this place of expectation. I hadn't yet seen the manifestation of healing. But faith, listen, faith is the evidence of the things I haven't seen yet. Faith is the title deed. It's the ownership piece of paper that says it's mine even when I haven't seen it. Faith goes outside of the realm of senses. Faith is literally drawing what's already in us, in the spirit part of us, through our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and they really get in the way sometimes, into the natural. Just because something is unseen doesn't mean it's unreal. It's realer (laughs) than anything else. God's truth is more real than what we see, what we feel, what the doctor's report says. I want to give you an analogy right now. Um, I want to use the analogy of the clouds. We've seen too many of them lately. But clouds, when you see a dark cloud, heavy dark cloud, it's evidence that rain's coming. When you see those clouds, you say, oh boy, looks like rain's coming. And not only is it evidence of the rain coming, it also carries the rain. Clouds carry rain. And very often, it falls. Right? Sometimes you get by and they go away and you don't get rain. But usually you do. So 
Clouds are evidence of rain. Clouds carry rain. And then rain is the result. Now we're going to put faith in that place. Faith is the evidence of your miracle. Faith is the evidence of the things not seen. Faith is the evidence of your miracle. Not only is it the evidence, that's what the Bible says. Faith is the evidence of things not seen and the Bible's truth. But not only is faith the evidence, it also carries your miracle. God did his part. It's done. That's grace. Our part is to believe. Faith, when we believe, when we're fully persuaded of truth, it carries our miracle. And the result is receiving the miracle. Just like the clouds bring the rain, faith is the evidence of your miracle. It carries your miracle from the spiritual realm into manifestation. So keep that little analogy in front of you. It's powerful. Now I want to just make a comment here about something that I have said, I have taught, and I am rethinking the whole thing about waiting. I've talked about waiting. I've talked about the waiting room. I've talked about what to do during the waiting room. And it's a true, I mean, it's a real deal. There is a period of time, sometimes, very often. But the, the truth is that I want to say is that God says, oh, no, you're not waiting on me. It's the opposite. I'm waiting on you to believe and receive. Instead of us saying, oh, God, what's going on? What am I doing? What am I not doing? You know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. When are you going to fulfill this? Turn it around and say, God's not... We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. So today what we're going to talk about is how to balance those two things. Grace, God's part, and faith, our part. I want to give you another analogy. And this one is from Andrew Walmack. So I'm going to give him credit. It's a really good analogy. So I like to share this. And it's the analogy of, um, it's not on your paper. It's the analogy of the transmitter and the receiver in uh, like a satellite um, or TV. I, I don't even know how that all works, so it's even hard, a little bit hard for me to explain this, but I'm going to do my best. So right now, there are satellite signals wherever we are. They're here. Now, if you were somebody from a third world country and you'd never seen a TV set or a monitor, you might not believe it. That doesn't mean they're not here. Now, this one really applies to me. You may not understand it, how in the world it works, how those satellite uh, signals can be transmitted and somehow appear on a TV. You may not understand it, but that doesn't mean that they're not there. They're there. Those signals are always there. They're just not in a form that you can perceive with your natural senses. That's the key line right there. They're just not in a form you can perceive with your natural senses. So if you have a TV monitor, if you plug it in, if you turn it on, if you change channels and you get exactly what you want, you start seeing and hearing what you wanted to see and hear, right? But that's not when the signal started. That satellite signal was being broadcast. It was already there. It's being broadcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It didn't start broadcasting when you turned on your TV. It was already broadcasting. You just could see it and hear it when you turned on your TV. Okay, now let's relate that to, to faith and healing. God is the satellite signal. He's the transmitter. And it's already done. The work's already done. The healing, the forgiveness, the restoration, the provision, everything that we talked about last week. The extravagant gift of grace has already been given to us. And he's transmitting that gift to us 24-7. It's ours. It's ours. We're the receiver. 
we're the TV monitor. And it's called faith. Faith is how we receive. But what we do when we're not receiving is we go to God. It's like calling the cable company, saying, hey, my cable's not working. We go to God and say, hey, something's not working. Yeah, turn it on, send it down. But that's not how it works. We don't need to wait for God to turn it on. We don't need to wait for God to give us healing power or whatever. He's already done it. He's already completed his work. We just need to know how to believe and receive it. So now on your handout, the question is, is your receiver out of balance? This is what we're going to spend the rest of the time on. Is your receiver out of balance? There are four major points I want to talk about. The first one, faith, this faith, this being fully persuaded of truth, faith is not something you do to get God to respond. You don't have to do something, and then, in response to your actions, God heals you. Healing is already provided. It's already part of us. It's in our new creation. I just want you to take a snapshot of a picture right now. I want you to visualize yourself as three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is, is the, the part that we can't see or feel. That's where your healing is. It's already there. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then we've got our physical body. So what we're talking about is believing that what's in our spirit is in every part of us, our soul and our body, as well as our spirit. Put your faith in God's healing grace instead of in your ability to make God move. Instead of having faith in ourselves, have faith in God. Instead of working to try to get something from God, we respond in faith to receive what's already ours. It's a different mindset. It's already ours. We're not trying to get it. We're just believing that it's already ours. Number two, this is a common misunderstanding. The misunderstanding is that we must fight to get healed instead of fighting because you've been healed. One word difference, but it's a big word. In this misunderstanding, you're trying to obtain healing instead of defending the healing you already have. The misunderstanding, I'm going to say that again, is that you're trying to obtain healing instead of defending the healing that's already in there. It's already in your spirit. It's easier to defend what you've already got than it is to get something that you don't have yet. So if you're sitting right here with a diagnosis of cancer, you can say, I'm healed. I'm defending my healing. And when I declare God's word, when I read God's word, you're not denying the fact of the doctor's report. You're saying, according to God's report, by Jesus' stripes I was healed. It's mine. It's God's grace for me. I'm defending it. Now, here's a key. This is where we can get out of balance. If we think that we have to do everything just right, like say enough scriptures, um, pray enough, read the Bible enough, and if we do everything just right, then we'll get healed, then your receiver's out of balance. It's not about you. It's about him. Remember, our job in healing is to just believe that he's really good at his job. I printed this up for you. It's an amazing declaration for healing. This is from Pastor Sarah. It was in, she put it together in 1999 at healing school. And Jerry got a copy of it, so I made it for you. But I took something off of it. At the bottom, it said, Do this three times a day until you're healed. 
And there's nothing wrong with declaring God's word three times a day. That's awesome. But if you think that doing this three times a day will get God to move, that's the problem. And that's why I took that line off of there. This is a beautiful declaration. It's all about healing. And I really recommend that you do just take this and feed on it and feed your spirit on it. Tom's going to teach about that in two weeks, about feeding your heart with God's word and what that does in the spiritual realm. But don't think that that, reading that three times a day is going to get God to move because he's already moved. Faith is receiving, not achieving. You may, be, you may, may have been a teacher's pet, a good student, you know, everything. And that's all great. That's all great. But faith isn't about achieving. Faith's not about being, you know, the super student. You know, I was talking to Jim today and I said, I was a complete babe. I didn't know one scripture when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I got healed. I didn't have to know it all. God met me right where I was at. He does that with all of us. And it doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or a Christian for one day. His truth is true for all of us. The third point, number three, and this, this applies. I'm sure we've all probably been in this place at one time of our lives or many times. Do you feel like you're inconsistent in your faith? Do you feel sometimes that you're very strong, that you're very filled with peace, that you're praising God for where you're at, you're thanking him for your healing and everything? I mean, you're, you're very super strong, even with whatever's going on in your life. But then at other times, you feel the opposite. You feel weak and confused and fear, and you feel like you're begging and pleading and saying, why God, why, when God, when. And if you feel like that, the problem is that you're responding to what you observe in the physical, natural realm instead of responding to the grace of God. When we were opening, Tom was talking about what you set your mind on. It's Philippians 4.8. The word says, set your mind on things. Well, I think I'm getting two scriptures mixed up. But it says to, to focus on what is good and what is true and what is pure. And I don't remember all of them. But it says to focus yourself on the good things. And Tom said, and I agree, that when you put your focus there, the anxiety is going to just fall off of you. So if you find yourself doing the mountain climb and then the valley and the mountain and the valley, and this is a big deal. I mean, we see it. There's so much in our face. There's so much that we are living in the midst of, whether it's stuff that you're having in your body, feeling in your body, whether it's pain, whether it's doctor's reports. There's a lot of stuff, real stuff, that we're living in the midst of. But when we put our eyes on the finished work, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. Thank God. (laughs) But when we put our eyes on the finished work and see his grace and meditate on the kind of stuff we're talking about today, you'll see you will rise up and be more consistent. not going to say you're going to be 100%. You probably won't be. I know I'm not 100% consistent. And when I'm not, I ask for help. (laughs) I ask for prayer. I ask for somebody to... You know, and I sometimes need a little kick (laughs) in the butt or whatever to say, okay, come on, Cindy. And we all need that, and it's okay. We stand there together. That's what the body of Christ is about. So don't hesitate to call when you need somebody to stand with you in faith if you're feeling like you're in a valley. And we'll encourage you, and we'll declare God's word over you, and we'll, we'll speak the way that God speaks. We'll agree with God with you. So the fourth big point I want to make. If Jesus already died for you, and it's already done, 1 Peter 2.24 says, By whose stripes you were healed. That's past tense. Jesus took the stripes on his back once. He only needed to do it once. And by those stripes we were healed. So if he's already done it, how can we doubt that he will do what he's already done? 
Isn't that cool? Faith is believing what God has already done. Now I want to share when I received that revelation. I want to share that experience. I was diagnosed in February with, this is many years ago, it was 13 years ago. I was diagnosed in February with stage 4 cancer. And I got this revelation in April. So for February, March, and most of April, I had been declaring God's word. I had started my relationship with God and was just falling crazy in love with him. That hope that I talked about was stirring in me. And I still had to fight bouts of fear, but for the most part, I was doing really well in my soul, in my mind, my will, and my emotions. But I was believing that I was going to be healed. I had, and I spoke it all the time, Father God, I thank you that you're taking good care of me. I know that I am going to be healed. I was speaking of my healing in the future tense. In that, on that day in April, when I got the revelation, this revelation that I'm teaching right now, uh, it was a weekend when I had to make a decision about treatment. I told you about this, Jim. The doctor gave me three options, and that weekend I had to make a decision. And Jenny told me, she said, Cindy, just go spend the weekend with God. <laughs> Pray in tongues. You know, just see where you have peace. And it doesn't matter. She told me, she said, Cindy, it doesn't matter whether you choose option one, option two, or option three. God's going to meet you right where you're at. That just took a big burden off of me. Okay, I don't have to, like, get it right. God will God'll be there with me. So that's what I did. So I spent all weekend praying and seeking God. And then on Sunday, Charles Capps visited our church. Isn't God's plan perfect? Charles Capps is the man that wrote that little blue book of healing scriptures. He's now, he's passed on. He died about a year ago. But, because uh, he was an old man, and that's another whole testimony, but I'll save that for another time. But anyway, he was here, and he preached in the morning, Sunday morning, and he preached Sunday night. And when we were driving home that night, Kent and I were talking, and I remember exactly where I was. I mean, I was on Rochester Road, right about here in front of the church. And I said, God really showed me something tonight. It's not that I'm going to be healed. I'm already healed. It's past tense. I've been believing that I'm going to be healed instead of believing that I already was healed. And it was a shift. It was a shift in a a new revelation. And I had a new key to unlock that precious gift of receiving healing into my heart, into my body. That's his truth for all of us. Faith is believing that it's already done. Karen? So when you say, I acknowledge I'm healed because of Isaiah 53, 4, yes. Okay, I want to repeat Kristen, or Karen's question because, so that it can be on the, the tape. She said she used a scripture. I love it. She used Isaiah 53. According to Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says that Jesus has carried our, um, our sickness and our disease. He paid the price in full for our peace, and by his stripes we are healed. So she says, according to your scripture, God, it's already done. According to your word, it's already done. And then her question is, is it okay to say, and now I'm waiting for the manifestation? I think that's okay. But I would just maybe be a little bit bolder and say, thank you, Father God, that I was already healed. I was already healed. It's already done in the spiritual realm. And right now I'm believing and drawing it into the rest of my body. So maybe just be a little more specific. But when you say you're waiting for it to manifest, that part, I guess, is true because it's not in your body yet. But it is already in the, the real part of you, which is your spirit. Remember, we're the three-part being, and it's already done in your spirit. Okay? So just be a little bit bolder. Get tougher. Probably not. <laughs> but I'll try. I'll try. Okay. The scripture that Karen was standing on was Isaiah 53 that says, by the stripes of Jesus we were healed. So she's saying, and I agree, God, thank you, it's already done. Jesus provided the work, it's done. 
And then her second question was, can I say, well, I'm waiting for it to manifest. I say, well, okay, I guess, but what would be better is to say, it's mine. And God, I thank you that it's already in my spirit and I'm believing. I believe you and I receive it into my body. And I stand strong, Karen. What I say is it's done. I just, I just speak it out. It's done. Instead of saying it will be done. I've taken that word out of my language. Like, I will be healed. I take that word out of my language. And I say, I was healed. So quit trying to get healed and start trusting that you've already been healed. And then there's three little bullets. Let's, I'm going to fill them in for you. Quit trying to get healed and start trusting that you've already been healed. The first one, believe that you've already got it. And that thing, believe, I'm just going to say this, it's a choice. It's a choice. Don't go by feelings. I choose to believe. I don't even have to understand. I know I'm a very childlike person. God likes that. He likes it when we're childlike. He likes it when we just trust him, even when we don't understand. He tells us to be childlike. He said, come to me as children, humble, believing, expecting. I even say anticipating, just like a kid, anticipating Christmas. And that's what I do. So the first one is believe that you've already got it. You don't have to understand it. Choose to believe it. Believe you've already got it. The second one, talk like you've already got it. And the third one, act like you've already got it. I love to see people who are in the midst of something and you don't even know they're in the midst of it. They're acting healed. They're acting whole. They're living life to the fullest. Now, that being said, we need to use wisdom, of course, and get enough rest and take care of your body. Absolutely. But you can also often get up and do things. I know Kent had knee surgery, uh, a knee replacement um, last fall. And it was okay, you know. And I, I love my husband and I want to take care of him. But I also know that he needs to get up and do things, you know. So I made sure he did. <laughs> That's important. We can lay around and feel sorry for ourselves. And it doesn't do you very much good. So act healed. Speak like you're healed. Believe that you're healed. And then in the box on your sheet, I put three statements. Let's read them out loud together. How can I doubt that God will do what he's already done? Why would I doubt that I'm going to get it if I've already got it? It is done. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. Amen. Amen means so be it. So you can add amen to the end. (laughs) So be it. Awesome. Now, if you're here, and this is one of your first times here, you probably have a lot of questions right now. Questions are good. Ask your questions. Ask your questions. We have a, I've still got a little bit of teaching, but I just feel like I need to stop and say this right now. We've got an amazing ministry team. They all have badges on. They can answer your questions according to God's word. Because what I've just shared with you, if I had heard this for the first time when I was first coming, I would have been like, what? What do you mean it's already done? I don't get it. So please, feel free to ask your questions. Everything that we share is based on the Bible, and we'll go right to the Bible and show it to you. Just like Karen said, it is biblically shown, not just in one place, many, many places that it is God's will to heal, that the work is already accomplished, that Jesus paid the price. Thank God for our wholeness, for our peace. So if you're, if you're confused or if you're asking questions, please ask us. We have a time at the end of this uh, session where we're here available for that. Okay. I have one more major point I want to make before we close, and it's Entitled, Enter His Rest. Will you turn with me right now to Hebrews chapter 4? We're going to read verses 1 through 3, 
And Ken, I'm just going to do one verse at a time, just so you know whoever's got the clicker. So I'm just going to take one verse at a time. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid to distrust it, lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. So the scripture says that there's a promise that God has for us about his rest. This promise was originally given back in the Old Testament days when the Israelites were in the wilderness. God promised them the same thing. We're going to go there in a minute. But he says that promise is for you today, too. That promise still stands. But he gives us a warning. Be careful not to distrust it. Or, or lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. It's like God saying, you don't think it's too late. Don't think I'm not big enough. You know, some of us think that. We think, oh, you know what, I'm just too sick. I, one of my frustrations, big frustrations, is in my family, I have a beautiful family, and they often refer people to our ministry. But sometimes they don't if the person is too sick, if they, don't think, if they think it's too late. And I get really, really upset. It's like, who are you to say that God's not big enough? Who are you to say it's too late? It isn't. God says so right here. Who are you to think it's too late? Uh Uh-uh. Or that God's hand's not long enough or strong enough. That's what this first verse is saying. And then verse 2, this is what it goes on. For indeed, we have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God, proclaimed to us, just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. I'm going to stop for there for just a sec. So it says here that the Israelites had the gospel shared with them. They knew the truth. They knew the promise. They knew the promise of that promised land that was set aside for them, that they were going to go through the wilderness and get to the promised land. They knew the promise. It had been preached to them. It had been shared with them. It had been proclaimed to them. But the message they heard didn't benefit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. I'm going to go on in a second. But the same thing with us. You're hearing truth here based on the Bible. You're hearing about God's will to heal. It's being proclaimed. The question is, is it going to benefit you? The key is, are you mixing it with faith? Faith is a choice. Saying, I choose to believe. What do you have to lose? You have a whole lot to gain. And then it goes on and it says, I'm going to skip some of the stuff in the parentheses because it's kind of wordy. Um, He's saying it was not mixed with faith by those who heard it. And neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, who heard and did believe. So it goes on to say there were all of these people in the wilderness. There were 12 spies that they sent to the promised land to check it out. Ten of them came back looking at the problem, the giants, the, the, the impossibility of ever achieving you know, attaining that promised land. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, saw the same problems, but they saw the beautiful land that God had promised them. And they came back saying, okay, God, you promised it. We believe you. We can do it. With you, we can do it. But it says the problem was they weren't united in faith. So the Israelites, there were bunches of people, they didn't agree, they weren't coming into agreement with God and with one another. That's why a a meeting like this is really powerful, because we're all in agreement. There's a lot of, of power in the prayer of agreement, and it builds you up. Sometimes when you're at home, you might not have the agreement. You might not have people that are surrounding you, agreeing with you, believing with you, speaking into your life. But you have it here. 
And I know it's only once a week, but that's why we give you a phone list, because if you need us in the middle, call us. But it's powerful to come together. But the Israelites didn't do that. And then it goes on, verse 3. For we who have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on God, do enter that rest. We, and this is for me, for you, we who have believed, we who have chosen to believe, have entered that rest. We do enter that rest in accordance with his declaration that those who did not believe should not enter. So if we believe, we enter the rest. If we don't believe, we don't enter the rest. And then Jesus, or the the scripture says, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. The work was done. The work was done. It was past tense. Jesus had a plan. It was a completed work. Their part was to believe it and receive it. They didn't benefit from it. They didn't enter the rest. They didn't enter the promised land. They didn't ever get it except Joshua and Caleb, who believed and the following generations. But in that generation, none of them received it. The original generation that was in the mass exodus, they all died in the wilderness except Joshua and Caleb. And then the new generation is the one that entered the promised land. Now, put that in your life. The work of healing is completed. The work of grace is done. That extravagant grace that we talked about last week, the entire amazing package of grace is completed. Our part is to believe it. Are we going to benefit from it? Our part is to believe it. Now we're going to go over to verse 9 through 11 in the same chapter. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Amen. That's good news. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So when we enter rest, we cease from works just like God did. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And that word disobedience is referring to unbelief. I want to read, um, no, I want to make one point, and then I'm going to read it from another translation. This is the point I want to make. It talks in here about entering the rest. It talks in here about, um, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. I want to tell you what the scripture does not mean. It does not mean that we should just sit back and do nothing. It says, enter his rest. Okay, God, I'm resting. Bring it on. (laughs) That's not what it means. That would be like not plugging in your TV and expecting it to work. We need to be plugged into God. But what it does mean, and this is the balance piece between grace and faith, what it does mean is that we need to cease from our works and thinking that we have to earn God's favor. It does mean that we need to cease from thinking we have to do something to get God to move, to get God to heal us. That's not true. That's the imbalance part. And now I want to read this final scripture. This is the same scripture from the Amplified Translation, verse 11. Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. So I've just said rest, enter his rest. And then it says, be zealous, exert yourself, and strive diligently to enter the rest of God. I'm going to give you this word, and then I'm going to tell you about what's coming. This is what God says. 
When you work, I rest. But when you rest, I work. Being in that place of rest, believing, simply believing, is when he can take over. We're letting him be God. Over the next three weeks in our meetings, in our Jesus Christ Heals Today meetings, we're going to be sharing three components of entering his rest. How to strive diligently, or whatever it said, zealously, diligently, and enter his rest. There are three things we're going to teach on. Next week, Fran is going to teach on coming to know the love of God. It's a big deal. It is number one in entering his rest. Fran, I heard somebody um, share this a week ago, and I'm just going to share it with you just to soak. And that is we talk about the Holy Spirit baptism, which I'm going to teach on in August. But think about the baptism of the love of the Father. Being immersed. Being, the word baptism means to be immersed. Being baptized in his love. That's just been stirring in me. So Fran's going to teach next week on being baptized in his love, being immersed in the love of God. This is the number one way to enter his rest. The second thing that Tom is going to teach on the following week is how to constantly renew your mind with God's word. And you will be transformed. You'll be made new. Old thought patterns will be demolished. They'll be replaced with new ones. And it will just draw you into a new place of drawing from your spirit man into the natural, into the natural realm. Just like Karen, just like we were talking about, drawing whatever it is that is already in the spiritual realm into the natural realm by renewing your mind. Tom's going to teach on that in two weeks. The third week, I'm going to teach the third big part of entering the rest, and that is celebrating God's goodness, acknowledging what God's already done, acknowledging what he's doing, being thankful, praising, worshiping, celebrating God, and the power of celebrating his goodness in entering his rest. So that is what's coming in the next few weeks. Okay, I'm going to close with prayer, and then Kent's going to get a video ready for us, and then we'll pray. Father, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. And we thank you for your love. We acknowledge your love for us, Father. We acknowledge that you have done so much for us just because you love us so much. We didn't have to earn it. Just like my grandbabies, they don't have to earn my love. I just love them like crazy. God, I thank you that you love us that way, except multiplied a hundred times over. We thank you, Father. We thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you that by Jesus' stripes we were healed. We thank you that you've completed the work. We thank you that you're really good at your job. and We don't have to be. Father, my prayer is that you can ignite the revelation of the finished work in us. Ignite it so it is on fire. Father, I thank you that we believe you more than we believe anything we see or feel or hear. We believe your truth and it trumps everything else that we see in this world. We win because you win and you're in us. We receive your final word. We receive your final word. And we praise you and we thank you for it. And right now, I declare that your final word is alive and active everywhere, everywhere in these people. It is alive and active. It's already accomplished in their spirit. 
But I thank you, Father, that your word is powerful. It's alive. It's active in our souls and in our bodies. I call bodies healed. I call cancers destroyed. I call sicknesses completely recovered. I declare that infections can't even live in our bodies because you are in us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I thank you that our bodies are strong and whole and healthy. And we just glorify you, Father. We glorify you for all that you have done, all that you have accomplished. We choose to believe it. We choose to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.